Welcome to the latest episode in COVID-19 Business in Focus, where we explore the business impacts of coronavirus. I'm Rowena Morris, a director at PwC, and I'm your host for this series. COVID-19 has made it crucial for companies to protect liquidity. Across all sectors, we've seen a rapid shift in working capital requirements driven by a huge disruption of supply and demand. In this episode, we'll discuss the working capital challenges that businesses are facing as a result of COVID-19. We'll explore the actions they can take to rapidly change operational ways of working. We'll also look at some practical ways to protect working capital and ensure a more accurate cash flow forecast in these uncertain times. I'm delighted to be joined by my colleagues today from our operational restructuring business, Daniel Windhouse and Ian Morgan. Hi, Daniel and Ian. Hi, Rena. Hi, Rowena. Thanks for joining our virtual studio both. Um, so to kick things off, Daniel, what working capital challenges are our clients facing at the moment? Yeah, thanks, Rina. So I mean, one thing that a crisis like this really brings into sharp focus is the importance of cash and working capital. Um, we saw something very similar during the financial crisis. And while the nature of this crisis is quite different, um, the importance of liquidity is now, again, really quite important. Um, you know, and we see this particularly in a few sectors, including manufacturing and automotive, as well as retail and consumer, that probably have been harder hit than some others, um, particularly from a demand profile perspective. So one of the biggest challenges is around the fast nature um, of, sort of the changing working capital profile, and it's continuing to change. So that really is a massive challenge. And to give you a few examples, for example, on the inventory side, um, when we started going into the COVID-19 crisis, there was a general concern about the ability to supply and source materials to produce. And then that quite quickly flipped into, um, do we have excess inventory because the demand profile is coming off? Um, so, for example, in fashion retail, you have a lot of slow-moving items now because people are not buying clothes. Um, and similarly, on the receivable side, you see real change in payment behaviors and the timeliness of customers to deal with outstanding receivables. So a lot of overdues are increasing both in size and in length. And then probably finally, in terms of the accounts payable situation, that's very similar where people are looking to um, affect some payment holidays, but also the ability to trade under terms um, is a concern seeing that not all suppliers have the right level of liquidity in place. So across all of the areas of working capital, we see that the normal business as usual processes that companies use to manage working capital are really struggling and are not set up to deal with this level um, of fluctuation and change. Um, and that's also coming through very strongly in terms of the challenge of managing liquidity um, and cash forecasting. Thanks, Daniel. And really useful to have those examples, too, to bring it to life. So a takeaway there for me, I suppose, is specifically in some of those harder hit sectors, a key challenge is working capital profile and demands will continue to change. So continue to be a massive challenge. So, Ian, moving on to you and building on this, what practical advice do you have for businesses who are struggling to protect their working capital? So I think the first thing is to get a really good view of your short term cash forecast. Um, this is something we saw quite a lot of companies doing quite early on in the in, in the pandemic, um, and particularly as kind of lockdown started to spread um, in different countries around the world. 
Um, it typically needs the corporate to move from a uh, kind of indirect style of forecasting into a more direct receipts and payments style forecast. Um, and the reason for doing that is it gives you a much clearer view of the underlying drivers um, of the cash flow and the working capital and allows you to take much more directive actions far quicker. The second point, I think, is to have very clear ownership um, of cash in the organisation and, and make sure you have a central point of control. Um, to do this, it kind of helps to have uh, kind of nominated senior leaders who own the driver of cash, be it kind of sales, inventory or, or supplier relationships. Having that kind of nominated owner gives you a direct line of communication um, to that driver of cash and a level of accountability for delivery of the action. Um, and typically when you have a central point of control that would have the cash forecast at its very heart um, and is typically led by a, a CFO, a CEO, or maybe a, a dedicated turnaround or transformation director. And we've seen businesses set those up in different ways. Some, some build that into a business as usual process. Um, others set up a, a kind of a dedicated cash management office and, and really both, both work can work. Um, and finally, I think the third point is once you have these things in place, you can then start to drive those cash preservation actions through the organization more effectively. Um, of course, the things you can do uh, straight away, sort of freezing kind of unnecessary spend and things, but for the big decisions, you really need to have the clarity on the on the main drivers and, and have that ownership structure in place. Um, I think to give some examples of some of the important actions, um, I think to be taking now uh, really to understand weaknesses in the supply chain. So to think about who are the suppliers who, as we move into kind of restarting the economy, who, who are the suppliers who can stand back up um, and who are likely to fall over and need, need support. Likewise, on the customer side, who, who are the customers who are still holding on to overdue payments and how likely are they still to be able to pay? Uh, and finally, what are likely demand scenarios that you need to be planning for um, and how are you going to set up your operations to service those? That can be either by introducing new safe working protocols uh, for people coming back to work, as we've seen the automotive manufacturers start to, to put in place, or by standing up sort of backup capacity to mitigate timings um, differences in, across the world and that's kind of something we're seeing more in in the shared service centre environment. Okay thanks Ian. So to recap, number one get a really good view of your short-term cash forecast, get that clear ownership of cash and that central point of control and only then drive the cash preservations actions. So Daniel picking up on that point from Ian around supply chain, how can businesses boost the visibility and the resilience of, of their supply chain? So I think, Rena, the, the key thing here is in the words visibility and transparency. Um, and in the more sort of complex global supply chains that many companies have now, um, that actually is a lot more difficult um, than sounds. Um, so we've been actually working with quite a few companies around putting some analytical tools into place to really get under the skin of what inventories do they have, where are, where are they, what are the demand um, uh, profiles? 
how long does it take to flow through to really understand of where the blockages are along the global supply chain. Um, so, you know, that's, I think, one of the, the key points about understanding and establishing that visibility. Um, and also companies are taking a number, number of other steps and maybe just calling out a couple of those. Um, the obvious one is to recalibrate um, their short-term replenishment triggers and controls to reflect what lead terms are doing at the moment and the sort of top-line demand volatility, um, as well as also looking at sort of a more consensus-based demand forecasting. So working closer with um, suppliers, working closer with customers to really understand what is required so there isn't an inflation effect on the different assumptions that are being made uh, in people's demand forecasts. I think it's also probably worth calling out the um, supplier resilience and stability. And Ian, do you maybe you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's, that's right. So the resilience of suppliers and, and the supply chain generally is an area I think that's been overlooked by large corporates uh, for a long time. Um, and I think that's kind of because we've grown quite accustomed to very stable, very predictable production and transport routes around the world. Um, so we do regularly see individual disruptions to supply chains, but the global nature of this pandemic has really shifted the calculus in, on risk um, and managers going forward will need to consider some different strategies. So I think things such as the geographic sourcing decisions that have been made over time to favour uh, cost savings uh, in particular will now need to be kind of reassessed against potential future outbreaks. Um, it's also highlighted the need to more closely monitor the concentration of supply um, and your exposure to a single point of failure in the supply chain. Um, and the financial flexibility of suppliers has, has largely been exposed by this crisis. So those with a high financial or operational leverage, um, which actually seems to be something become something of a norm, um, those suppliers have been less able to respond to the sudden drop in demand um, and has left them needing external support. So a key takeaway there, visibility and transparency is really key. So linked to that, in previous episodes, we've talked a lot about how scenario planning can help businesses weather the storm of the pandemic. Ian, how can scenario planning play a part in helping businesses protect their working capital? Um, so at the moment, I think there's so much uncertainty out there that it's, it's really extremely difficult to plan um, and to know what the right course of action is. Um, we know a number of businesses are now being asked that to you know, to restart their operations by uh, by their major customers. Um, but in some cases, that contradicts government guidelines and you know, guidelines vary across um, across the world, country by country. So um, it's kind of a very challenging thing for, for to get right when you have globally connected supply chains. Um, and then on top of that, there's, a, there's little kind of confidence that even if they can restart, that the demand is actually going to be there once the lockdown's lifted. And we can look to kind of, you know, what's happening in China as a precursor to, to what we can expect to see in Europe and, and, and the US. So I think demand planning is, uh, is extremely important and having views on all the variables that will determine when and where sales will return um, 
that will help inform your kind of understanding your inventory requirement for for manufacturers or you know for the service industries how and when to bring people back back into work i think starting too early or overproducing is definitely a significant risk to cash at this stage um, from there i think you can build out your your purchasing scenarios and, and plan out your likely um, requirements for working capital and once you have these different views of different scenarios you'll be better informed on on the impacts uh, on cash and um, gives you extra time to think about what you can do if you find yourself in a scenario that that you didn't really want to be in of course this is a very much an evolving situation and it's difficult to know what lies ahead but what's in your view daniel on how this crisis will change and how businesses deal with working capital in the future yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Arena. Um, and clearly, none of us have a crystal ball. So agility, I think, is a key thing for, for all companies in this. Um, but my prediction for the near to medium term and what companies will take away from this are probably some key, well, key three things. The first would be around um, that I think companies will be much more focused and aware of the need for cash and working capital will remain on the corporate agenda going forward. Um, we saw a similar trend after the financial crisis in 2009. And again, as I said earlier, while this is quite a different crisis, I think you know the need for liquidity is clear. And I think a lot of management are also finding that simply low interest rates and funding availability isn't a substitute for disciplined operational management. So I think the first thing is it's going to stay on the agenda. My second prediction will probably be around the fact that you know a lot of supply chains that are long extended global um, people will look at the sustainability of that going forward and probably consider more local onshore nearshore options for sourcing and build up different alternatives um so it's quite likely that you know going forward the world will become and stay a less global place than before. Um, so I think from the sustainability and global spread of supply chains, I think there will be a change going forward. Um, not a whole change, but I think it will be somewhat, um, somewhat redirected. And the third takeaway for me would be that, um, you know, similar to what Ian said earlier, the visibility into supply networks and understanding financial health understanding uh, supply chain resilience will continue to be a key theme and as a result working much more collaboratively and consensually with the key business partners. Okay and Ian do you have any examples of businesses that are doing this? Yeah so so we've seen a lot of activity in this space recently um, I mean we've been advising uh, the government for several weeks now on, on the impact on particular sectors in the supply chain um, and more recently uh, we've seen more activity with with corporates and um, in particular we've been working with a large utility provider to help assess the resilience of their of their suppliers um, i think just to reiterate i think you know visibility really is the cornerstone of this um, and with the levels of data and, and analytics tools that we now have available to us you're able to get a level of insight that the Previously, you just didn't have. Um, so we're helping a number of clients at the moment um, to put this into place and to put it into place quite quickly. 
Um, and from there, we're supporting them to assess their options um, and where appropriate, make interventions to, to shore up their suppliers in the supply chain. Um, I think on top of that, we're also talking to suppliers at the same time about what opportunities this might present. Um, there could be opportunities now to, to restructure the supply chain, to rethink um, how your sourcing strategies are, are deployed. Um, and you may be able to either renegotiate or resource contracts. You may be able to introduce uh, ancillary or backup capacity for service providers. Or in the case of an insurer that we're talking to at the moment, there may be some opportunistic M&A activity. That's interesting and really good to hear about some of the opportunities that it presents too. So to sum up, what are your top tips for businesses looking to protect their working capital? Uh, so, so if I go take that one first, I think first of all, aside from the things we've talked about already, um, I'd say engage with your customers and your suppliers. Um, no one really knows what the world's going to look like in six weeks, never mind it's kind of six months. Um, so no one really knows what the right course of action is. Um, and I think working collaboratively with customers and suppliers is going to be really vital um, in the restart um, of the economy following the lockdown and to prevent significant drains on cash um, from getting it wrong. Uh, secondly, I think, you know, take the opportunity to negotiate. Um, certainty is really a premium right now. So if you're in a position to provide that to you know, customers or suppliers, um, it really presents an opportunity to negotiate better terms for your cash and working capital going forwards. And ideally, you'd look to do that on a win-win on a basis. And maybe, Ian, if I just build on that, um, and I think when we look at the economies coming back out of lockdown and starting to flow again, I think a top tip for me is that there's going to be a significant drain on working capital going into this. So, you know, if we look at producing industries, for example, there will be a lag between the cash that needs to be invested to start up production, buy materials, um, be able to service demand versus the cash collected from new sales coming in. Um, and companies do absolutely need to prepare for that now. The other point I'll make in terms of you know, things to take away is I think the visibility point is key, and we made it a number of times during, during this discussion. Um, but so I think the words consensual planning and collaboration with customers and suppliers um, will be words we heard and hear a lot more of and will impact the way people think about and act in their supply chain going forward. Brilliant. Some great top tips there to wrap up. Thanks both. No problem, Rena. Thanks so much. Thanks, Rena. It's a pleasure. And thanks everyone for listening too. So if you'd like to know more about the themes we explored in this episode, visit our website at pwc.co.uk forward slash COVID-19. Here you can read our blog post, Protecting Working Capital is a Lifeline for Business, which contains more practical advice. Please subscribe to keep up to date with all of our latest episodes. And until next time, please do stay safe.